Hey, Mom Spaghetti listeners. I featured my favorite songs from Hans Williams in episode 33, Annie Freeze, and I'm playing his biggest hit so far, Guardian, under me now. An 18-year-old Vermont native, I was introduced to Hans's music when Sam sent me my favorite song of his, 93. Hans was nice enough to set aside some time to talk with me about his path so far, with much more to come. I snuck a decent amount of snippets from our conversation into episode 33, and since you're already here, you know this is the full interview. Hans has a great musical trajectory, and his positive attitude about music and his own path are evident in our conversation. While Hans is heading off to start college soon, he did mention that he has a ton of music close to completion, and he'll make sure there's a studio in his dorm. Here's the full interview with rising star Hans Williams. Hans Williams, thank you for joining the Mom Spaghetti podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I found you by way of one of your most recent songs, 93. And so I'll get into that in a few minutes. But one of the things that I know we've talked about leading up to the interview is you have a really good relationship with Finn. And I wanted to find out at least musically what that relationship is like. And then also how you met Finn and where he fits into the picture. Yeah. So Finn and I have known each other for a while. Our brothers went to high school together and we're friends there. And we were, we played hockey together, like squirts and, and peewees. So we knew each other there, but we didn't link up musically until I think it was my junior year. He was a senior. We both went to the same high school. So we weren't really close at the time, but I knew he was a great producer uh, and he hadn't worked with a lot of singer songwriters. I was making, trying to make my own songs at the time. Didn't really have any production going. So yeah, we collaborated on Guardian and that was the first song we put out. And I've been working with him ever since. So when did you start making music? Boy, um, <laughs> I've always been, I guess it started like third grade, maybe even second grade. I started as a rapper. My name was Young Frieza Man. <laughs> I went to this, yeah. Wait, can, went, you, can you tell me about that name? Where did that come from? It came from the guy in Incredibles. He's my favorite Incredible. Oh, Mr. Even, Freeze. And, yeah, Mr. Freeze. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I don't even, I would just like freestyle over beats that someone had made at this. It was like a rock camp, but I totally like took over and just made it my little like rapping place. In second and third grade? <laughs> second and third grade, yeah. Damn, good for you. <laughs> So I started recording super early, and we still have those songs. They're special. <laughs> and then from there, I guess, I started playing guitar at eight or nine. I started singing after that a little bit. I guess I started recording my more like singer-songwriter-focused songs, 12 or 13. Yeah, and then up until when I met Finn, I was putting those songs out. I was going to make a comment when you were talking about Young Frieza Man and uh, Mr. Freeze, if Lost and Found was the sequel, or not the sequel, but uh, something to do with the super suit and not being able to find it. Uh, mm. but no, that's Lost a bad and Found. <laughs> no, you're all good. No, I haven't returned much to Frieza Man. We list, like, my parents will throw it on all the time and be like, oh, Young Frieza Man, like, let's take a listen. But no, I haven't, I haven't revisited it in my new music yet yeah i would wonder if you have ever played around with putting raps into your new sound or if you're really just abandoning the rap game oh uh as a rapper like myself yeah definitely i shot my shot and uh that was it in third grade 
I think I'm on to singer-songwriter now. But, I mean, I would never put having a rapper on one of my songs out of the picture. Like, I'm still, as I said earlier, like, I'm still looking to define my sound. So that's why, like, every song's a little different. I mean, I know that there's a fine line of putting things out there and seeing what the listeners are enjoying the most. And then there's also what you feel the most attached to. So I didn't know if there was a song that you feel like that's the best one you've put out. I didn't know if there's one that you're particularly attached to. Yeah, I guess they all have their own meaning for me. A lot of them can be interpreted in different ways, but I'd say Guardian's probably the one that I'm attached to the most. I guess people have liked the most. Just the theme, it's about my grandfather who passed and, and trying to remember his voice. I'm sure like every song really when I start writing, that's the one I'm attached to most, but like stepping back from it, I'd say Guardian. I don't know if it's the most developed and it's definitely, you know, compared to what I'm working on now, a lot simpler, but I think in terms of the theme, that's definitely the one I've been attached to the most. Well, I always like to say, especially in terms of music and art, there's beauty and simplicity. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I wrote down the lyrics so I could find out a little bit more about it um, with turning friends to foes and stuck in bed with broken bones. But you talking about, you know, the passing of your grandfather, which I didn't say. I'm sorry to hear that, but I think anyone would appreciate having a song made after them or made in their memory. So <clears throat> I commend you for that. I know it's not easy. Yeah, thanks. No, that's uh, it's not all directed about his passing, but more just what I was going through at the time. The one that... I think might be my favorite because I really like Guardian, Footsteps, Lost and Found, and then my personal favorite is 93. I don't know what genre I would even call it, but it's almost like trance alternative. Like <clears throat> I don't know if you agree with that, but I mean, it sounds like a little bit like you're on a journey because obviously you're talking about I-93, the highway. Yeah. And I wanted to find out if there's any real story behind 93. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, Keith. Yeah, I know 93's got, that's probably one of the ones that has a more defined story and isn't quite as vague. So I worked at a summer camp uh, last summer, Camp Coniston in Croydon, New Hampshire. And yeah, I loved it. It was the best summer of my life. Was it Been going there camp? for a long time. Yeah. As a first year counselor, you all have the same day off. So it's like 45 kids, all like 17 years old. Uh, yeah. And so we just go like, we find a house. And so this was the first day off. And we went to my friend Asher's house in Arlington, Mass. And at the time, my parents were up in Maine. I don't know. They were doing, they were not at home, not even close to where I was. And I guess I just forgot to fill them in on what I was doing for the weekend. <laughs> so <laughs> they called me on the way down and I was in a car with four of my friends and they're basically like, Hans, what are you doing? Like, where's the heads up? Where are you going? I was like, guys, like I'm going to a house in, in Massachusetts. There won't be any parents there. There'll be like 45 kids though. Yeah. And so, so they weren't we're happy just going to hang that. out and we're, we're not doing anything wrong. <laughs> no, I, I filled them in on everything. I mean, I wasn't trying to like hide it from them at all. I vividly remember saying like, look, this is a part of stepping back. Next summer I will be gone. Like I'll be off doing my own thing. It was like kind of a wake up call for them. And I just remember like getting off the phone and all my friends being like, wow, I can't believe you told your parents off like that. <laughs> and it wasn't that bad. I wasn't trying to be rude or anything, right. but I just wanted to convey to them that there's literally nothing you can do. It's my responsibility to keep track of myself and make sure I'm being safe. So you stressing out about it is not going to help. 
so that's what that song's about. That makes a lot more sense because I was I had some of the lyrics for that one written down, and I was trying to figure out before we talked because it's how long will you hold my hand? Devil gonna come if I let him in. Nothing mm. you can do right now. Ninety three Southwood bound. How long will you hold my hand? Devil gonna come if I let him in. Well, nothing you can do right now. I'm 93 Southward bound. So, with the context of the story, it makes a lot more sense of yeah. the parents holding your hand. One of my first reactions, Hans, is that I worked at an overnight camp for a few years and we all used to do the exact same thing when it was a day off. And those were some of the best days of the summer. And it was funny because working at the overnight camp was exhausting we would go to bed at like one and wake up at 7 30 yeah that's exactly yeah that's spot on with the campers yeah and you hate to do that because you're there for i mean the majority of your summer spent at camp you're there to be like a counselor not to not to be <laughs> not going to be on days camper. off so right. yeah exactly but yeah no those were definitely much needed weekends off from the kids and i laugh because it was like we were so tired because the days off were usually a week and a half apart Mm. so you're going on 10 straight days of like six hours of sleep or five hours and it was like all we should have been doing was catching up on sleep but instead we went to someone's house and partied it's like (laughs) yeah no you you come back and you're even more tired exactly when you left (laughs) yeah And then the other thing that I wanted to comment on, Hans, was that I actually remember having a slightly similar conversation with my own mom because she used to read my sister and I horror stories of kids who would turn 21 and get way too drunk. It almost seemed like she was trying to instill fear in us. And she would say, no, I was just trying to let you know the dangers, you know, the possibilities. But when I first started drinking and she found out about it, I just had to level with her. I was like, mom, this is a part of life. I'm going to make my mistakes. I want to make my mistakes on my own. You had your turn to make mistakes and And I want to make my own. Waiting till the night you turn 21 isn't the best idea either. Like at that point, you're just going to not know your limit. And uh, yeah, finding your own way through that is much safer than having your parents trying to walk you right through it. They've never been um, super clingy, but they always want to know the plan. So when they had like no idea where I was going, what I was doing. Yeah. That makes sense. I know you talked about still trying to find your sound. How do you go through that process? Is it just you're writing a few songs all at once that have different sounds? Or is it based off of what you're listening to? I just want to get a little understanding. When you talk about you still feel like you haven't found your voice or found your Mm -hmm. sound yet. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely found a sound a little bit, but I don't know if that's the sound, right? So I think I have these songs like Footsteps and Guardian is a little bit more singer-songwriter vibe, but then I have songs like Lost and Found, and that's kind of a misnomer, but, you know, 93 and Days, definitely more like pop-based. I'm sure what I have or what I'm listening to at the time plays a role in it. I haven't really noticed that yet. Yeah, I'm always writing a few different songs. I like this summer, Finn and I have actually just been we just have not been able to finish any songs and we're stuck with like 20 songs that we love. Obviously, we're not looking to finish and polish all of them. Yeah, so I think experimentation, definitely just like letting yourself stray from what you normally do and not trying to make the process too like formulaic at all. 
So Lost and Found was kind of one of those ones that was just, we worked with this producer at UNH, Toph Wilder, and he had a really rough demo for Finn and I. And from there, I kind of worked with some of the melody he had and then completely reshaped the chorus. And yeah, we ended up being really happy with the final product. And it wasn't one of those ones where I just start on four chord progression on the guitar or Finn just makes a demo. So just trying to experiment with the songwriting process and not making it too much of the exact same thing every time, right? Right. You don't want it to be repetitive because you don't want to make the same song <laughs> 300 times. Right. And that's not fun either. I, I mean, mean like, that's not fun for anyone. Yeah. And just naturally, every every song turns out a little different. But I still find like if I write a batch of songs, they're not necessarily cohesive like an album would be. They could be all over the place, right? And I don't know if I, you know, I'm not pressing myself to find and then stick to a sound. So I think that's why I say, you know, I don't have a sound yet because I'm still willing to explore and willing to, you know, work with other producers. And Finn and I are always working like, it's not like he's can only work with me and I can only work with him. You know, it's like the more we can expand on our careers and with other collaborate with other artists, the better it is for both of us. That also helps too when when I go work with someone else and bring back this idea or that idea or he goes and works with one of his friends. They always come back and if we're all in the same room together, then we find a sound that none of us have encountered before because it's all three or four of us working to create that sound and not just me or not just Finn and I. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. One of the questions I have from that is when you talk about collaborating with other artists, it's always a cool experience bringing two different personalities and stories and backgrounds to the table for making music. But I'm always curious, Hans, do you have a dream collaboration that's an artist where you've listened to and probably looked up to and thought to yourself, man, if I ever get to make a song with this artist, that's when I'll really feel like I've made it. I've got a lot, not like one I'm thinking of in my head, but I'll rattle off a few. Tracy Chapman would be the first one. My mom used to always play Tracy Chapman for me, and so I got into her young. That would be legendary. Noah Khan, he's from the area, and I've worked with him a little bit, not on a song that he would ever be featured on, but in the same room, just helping Finn and I write. That's so cool. So did you just meet him because he's from Vermont? So he, I'm about to out him, actually. Um, he <laughs> was actually lived in Hanover till like his junior year and went to high school at Hanover High, just like I did, because there's no high school in my town. And then he moved out to Stratford and he's lived there, you know, since the end of high school. But he actually worked with Finn's older brother, Nate, and Nate was Noah's first producer. So when, when Noah first, are you familiar with, with Noah Khan's music at all? Oh, absolutely. Sweet. I've known his music since 2014 because I know Hole Z. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so he, let's see, he worked on when Sync was first dropped. Yes. Nate was the producer. And the same room Finn and I work in now at Finn's house is where Nate and Noah started. Noah loves coming over and working with Finn. And yeah, I've been lucky to just like have that outlet, like be able to bounce some ideas off him when he's in the room. Really talented songwriter. Yeah, I was going to say when I was listening to your music before I knew anything about you, I was thinking this kind of sounds not too similar, but I definitely hear some influence or similarities, I guess would be the right word from Mm. Noah Khan's music. And then when I saw you guys were both from Vermont, I was like, is this the Vermont sound? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's just me ripping off Noah Khan. Um, <laughs> no. No, I do find myself sometimes like his songs are so catchy, so I'll just be riffing along and like a uh, lick or a uh, vocal melody from one of his songs will pop in there. I'll be like, oh, I cannot use that. No. <laughs> but yeah, no, Noah Khan would be a dream to work with for sure. Let's see. There are a lot of kevin abstract oh wow that i know that's, that's that's probably not expected but i listen to a lot of brockhampton if i could get on a song with kevin abstract that'd be wild i think i had his song peach is that the one yeah oh, yeah i loved that song yeah. or i still do but <laughs> yeah no that's a great song that's like top of my playlist first thing i put on when i get in the car usually just because if it's a good day i don't know it's just a special song dominic fike frank ocean there are way too many like i said they're all over the place I guess that might be why I'm still having trouble developing my sound because I'm all over the place with what I listen to and what I'm interested in musically. Well, I don't think it's a problem to have variety. Like, I don't know if you ever... Yeah, I think if I didn't have it, I would be... I think it's necessary. Yeah, it's cool to run the spectrum. And I like one of the things too, not just in talking with you guys as the artists, but also in being part of the fan base It always feels cool to feel like you're a part of the journey with the artist. And so as they change their sound, there's the people who are like, oh, I've been a fan since day one. And it doesn't really matter to me, but I just think it's cool if you were there from the start and you hear the sound develop and grow. It feels like you're on that journey with the artist. Yeah. Have you worked with Finn's brother? You said his name was Nate. Yeah, he's in the room a lot when we're recording and we'll definitely bounce ideas off him. But no, I haven't just worked with Nate. I'm not sure. I think he's still producing a little bit, but he's a really talented golfer and he's golfing now, trying to make it on the pro circuit. Oh, wow. Yeah. I feel like that's very different ends of the spectrum. (laughs) Yeah. Finn's also just super talented golfer too. He's got that going too. My golf game needs a lot of work. Same. I'm (laughs) trash. I would get whipped by both of them. So I don't ever step foot on the course with them. One of the questions that popped into my head, because you said you've been making music since second or third grade and playing guitar around eight or nine. Is anyone else in your family into music or makes music? Or was that just something that was instinctive for you? No, there's really, I mean, my brother played trumpet in the high school band. So did my dad. I don't know. I think it really just comes from like my dad and my mom being passionate about the music they listen to, especially my dad. He got me into like some really like Parliament Funkadelic and James Brown and Al Green really early. So he had me listening to good stuff really early. So I think that's kind of where it started from. And then I was just curious. There's a guitar laying around the house and I just started, I picked it up and started playing it. My middle brother, L, he played drums with me a little bit and we had a band going, but then that kind of fizzled out and I kept going. Well, I'm glad you did. I mean, there are moments like this, I guess, for, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. It's like, there's two sides of the coin. And then sometimes I feel like uh, I'm doing a horrible job of getting this point across. But I'm trying to say, like, when you're that young, I feel like it's hard to pinpoint an event or something that triggered you even picking up the guitar. Like, it was just something that happened. Just random. Could have been totally random. Like, you said you played ice hockey or play ice hockey, and I played ice hockey all growing up. But I started skating when I was three. 
I don't even remember like, I mean, I'm sure my parents signed me up, but you know, they had me playing every sport, but I don't even remember making the conscious decision that hockey was the sport I wanted to play. It just Mm -hmm. was the one that I wound up playing all the time. Yeah. And then there's stuff later in life that I feel like there's a clear catalyst or event that happens and triggers me to say, okay, this is the path I'm going to take. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard to pinpoint that when you start something so young. Yeah, I mean, if that if my like grandmother doesn't buy that mini guitar and it's not laying around, I'm probably not making music right now. So thank God. Thank Grammy, actually. That's big. Or both. Sure. <laughs> I wanted to find out, because I know we talked a little bit about Holzy. Yeah. And he's from Vermont, too. So I guess I'll tell you my story, which was we were freshmen. I went to Colgate in upstate New York. And one of my friends showed me all of his mashups and I fell in love. And we didn't have that much of a budget to bring an artist to Colgate as a fraternity, but I just hit him up on Facebook and was like, hey, do you want to play a show? And he was like, absolutely, because I think he's my age. And so he came and he absolutely killed it. So we hung out with him before the show. That's sick. I mean, he was a cool guy. And so I've always kept an eye out for his music. So I'm surprised I didn't know about you from All Right before. But like I said, that was how I discovered Noah Khan. Because he, I think he helped produce Sync. And then he also, back in like 2014, made a remix or made just a regular song called Reason with Noah Khan. And I love that one. I think he did a, a remix of that too. Yeah, Reason was like my favorite Noah Khan song for the longest time. I feel like he's got to re-release that, but I don't I think know, that'll right? ever happen. Oh. It was uh, that and Capsize. Yes, both of them. Yeah, I appreciate another big Noah Khan fan. I mean, they're all over my neighborhood and my town, but like, yeah, no, I appreciate it. Like, it's big. You've been following him for a while, I can tell. Like, that's great. Even on like the old SoundCloud, really, really got picked up with Sync. And I remember Holzy, because I was going through, (laughs) this was so funny. I mean, I just use Spotify now, but I was going through my iTunes. That's a whole other story, but I was going through my iTunes. And at one point when I downloaded Reason, I forget if I put it in there or if it just came with the track, but the genre that Holzy had labeled it was Love Step. And I (laughs) was laughing because I thought that was so (laughs) good. And that's really what it was. I guess, Hans, I wanted to find out how you got in touch with Holzy, how you met up with him, and a little bit more about the story, if any, behind All Right. Yeah, so he knew Finn because they had worked together producing a little bit. He hit me up, and I, I had known of him through yeah, Noah Khan's uh, older stuff, so I knew he was a really talented producer, so he hit me up. I had just gotten back from camp kind of like an unfortunate circumstance. I got caught doing this tradition of streaking and going out to the flagpole late at night and got sent home for that with three other kids. It was probably like three quarters through the summer. And at that point, I was working in the kitchen because the first half, they kind of split up the first year counselors as like kitchen workers and counselors, and then they swap. But uh, yeah, so I got sent home, and that's what Open Eyes is actually about. But I was home and hit me up. I did it all remotely in two days. It was super quick. I came up with all the lyrics in that. It was just kind of describing how I feel like whenever I'm home, I get this I get too comfortable in a sense, just like almost to the point where I'm like lethargic. Like I just don't have, the drive definitely isn't there. I live in a super small town and I just love hanging out there. And it's nice and cozy. So 
everything's so easy. Too easy, yeah. So it's kind of about pulling a little bit from like separation anxiety from camp because I spent the whole summer with all those kids and then just left them immediately and just like knowing that they were all there, still having a good time. Yeah, that was one where I kind of pulled from a couple things and I banged out that song super quick, I remember. And then we got it out. I actually still haven't met Holzee, which is wild because I drive by his house every day. He lives just down the road from me, maybe like a mile. And I didn't even find that out till like a year ago when he mentioned it to me. <laughs> that was definitely one of the quickest songs I pumped out. I was still definitely happy with it. The demo he sent me in the first place was sweet. So This is so funny. We had one summer in between being campers and counselors and we were CITs. Oh, yeah. You guys had that too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was during that summer that I also got kicked out of camp. Really? Yes, <laughs> I swear to God. They hired us back this year, but uh, I didn't go because of music. Well, they wound up hiring us back too the following summer. Nice. Did you go end up going back the next year? Yeah, I had nothing nice. else to do. I didn't have a podcast yet. Gotta love camp, but there's definitely a time to leave. I think of my incident as like a sign that it's like my time to head out, focus on other things. Even if I got asked back, maybe that's just a sign that it's not quite meant to be ready to move on past summer camp. I wanted to find out because obviously you're at a little bit of a transition point in your life. You stopped going to camp to focus on music and I think you just finished high school, right? Mm -hmm. So musically and because I think music is pretty intertwined with life at this point. So music probably being the headline, but what is next for you? Are you working on an album? Are you thinking that when you go to college, you'll be a part of the music scene there? Yeah, so I was actually hoping to make an album this summer and then Finn and I just kept working on new songs and new songs and couldn't get ourselves to finish a song without rushing it so we have all these projects that we're happy with where they're at but we need to obviously there's still work to be done and we're hoping to get at least a few of them out before the end of the summer in the fall yeah in like two weeks actually I'm headed to school in New Orleans I want to get into the coffee shop and like small like gig scene there and also like see if there's a larger like music industry scene that I could tap into. Music has got to be the priority like even over school. So I'm just going to set up a studio in my dorm and yeah, continue to make music and try to use the school as a fan base and see what happens from there. I don't have any releases planned as of now. And I think if I've learned anything from the summer, it's so difficult to put together like a cohesive album, at least one that like I would be happy with releasing as an album because I don't just want to have 12 individual songs. I want to have something that really flows and something that people can relate with as, as one piece of work and not just 12 individual pieces. But yeah, just continuing and making it even more of a priority in my life, if, if that's even possible with school. But we'll see. I mean, college is definitely a time for figuring out how to balance everything. And balance yeah. doesn't have to mean even splits. It's just figuring out what's important. And so you definitely have a head start if you already know what's important to you. But I think your school will probably have a recording studio. I mean, it'll be great. So they don't actually. Yeah, they are. It's kind of sad. They're in New Orleans and they don't have a studio quite yet. But there's a school right next to my school, which has four studios actually and apparently they're open to the public so i'm gonna try and take advantage of that 
I wanted to stay away from integrating going to school for music. I considered that and I, I like auditioned for a couple of places, but I ended up deciding I would rather go to school. First of all, not like I wouldn't want to go to an all music school just because I thought I would just burn out being around people only mm-hmm. focused on music. I don't know how I think of my songs being graded. I'm planning to minor in music theory and that'll help me, but it's unfortunate. The contemporary program at my school isn't that strong. There's definitely a music scene there, and within the city, there's a big music culture, so I'm excited to tap into that. When I look back on college, I think the best part of college is, I don't know if I would call it the atmosphere or the landscape, but like the idea that everyone is there trying to figure themselves out, it just creates such an open environment for expanding your horizons. And so I feel like where you are with your music career, Hans, it'll be great to have other influences and other experiences. And I'm sure you'll meet other musicians and find other types of music that you like. And those being filtered into your sound will only serve to increase your audience and help you be more versatile. At least that would be my assumption. Yeah, of course. That's definitely what I'm hoping for. If I have like a full functioning studio in my dorm, obviously I'm going to try to, I'm not trying to just have a monopoly on that. I want people to come and record their own stuff. And so that's just going to lead to more and more collaboration. We'll see. There's a lot I don't know about the music scene at Tulane, but I'll find out. So it'll be exciting. And you're talking about the coffee shops and things like that. One of the questions I always like to find out is if you go to a lot of live shows or if you just go to coffee shops and then building off of that, do you have a favorite performance or artist who you've seen live? Let's see. I feel like you've probably been to a lot since your parents are so into music. Yeah, I've been to a solid amount of shows, but recently not that many. And when my parents go, I actually have not been to a concert with my parents in a while. No, I would say actually I don't. I haven't been to that many live performances. I think the the last big one I can think of would be well, Green Key. I saw I actually saw two friends and Max oh, shit. <laughs> at Green Key. Yeah, let's see. And then before that, like Noah Khan at Higher Ground last fall. I actually would say I don't go. That's one of the big things I'm excited for to be in a city, and especially in New Orleans. There's always live music going on. Well, sorry, what was the second half of that question? Oh, best live performance. Yeah. This was, let's see, so my okay, so my old babysitter moved away. They ended up tutoring Bruce Springsteen's kids. And so when they married, Bruce Springsteen played at their wedding. And that was definitely like my most memorable live performance because it was 200 people or like 150 people and Bruce Springsteen. That's incredible. Wait, because my mom, she says that she was not that into seeing artists live when she was in college. And she went to see, like, she got dragged to a Bruce Springsteen show or something was the story. And Oh, no, she got dragged to a Bruce Springsteen show. I know, show. I know. <laughs> and she was like, he was so amazing that we turned into groupies and just, like, followed him <laughs> on tour for three more nights. <laughs> it's like... That's awesome. That's sick. One of the most unlikely things I ever would have expected my mom to say. Yeah, that like I will never forget that because I remember he was sitting down at a table after and I was like eight. I didn't like understand how much of a superstar he was, but I like went over and sat down and just started talking to him for a little bit. I barely remember any of this, but that was wild. I don't know if I'll ever top that live performance, but we'll see. 
I think there are just some artists that are so secure in that elite echelon that it's like if you see any of them live, there are very few that are going to compare to that. And I haven't seen yeah, Bruce, just... but everyone who has puts him in that category. Yeah, it's an icon. Wait, so what was the relationship? It was your babysitter... Yeah, my babysitters got married. So they were dating when they babysitted me. And then when they got married, 10 years later, they had been tutoring Bruce Springsteen's kids for, I think, like five years or something. And so he went and played at their wedding for them. Wow. That's so cool. I know. So lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But also props to eight-year-old Hans for just walking up to Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Yeah, no, I had no idea what I was doing, but I need to get a video of that or something because I'm like picturing it right now. Sorry, I'm just like thinking about it, (laughs) thinking about good old Bruce. (laughs) But yeah, if that had happened 10 years later, oh my God, that wouldn't have been wild. But who knows if he would have sat down with an 18-year-old or if an eight-year-old walking up was, I don't know, you can't really turn that down. Right, right, right. I know you started out as young Frieza man. So there might be two answers to this question because I always like to find out if you remember the first song that you ever wrote. But then I guess I would also be curious if you remember the first song that you wrote that's more Hans Williams as opposed to young Frieza man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the first song I ever wrote might have been before young Frieza man. I was like five or six It was actually for, like, another babysitter that left. I don't know why all our babysitters left. Um, (laughs) They always do. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a huge crush on her. Her name was Lucy. I had, like, a plastic button, like, baby guitar at the time. And it was just, like, a ballad for Lucy. And I think the only lyrics were, like, her name, like, me (laughs) screaming her name, and, like, why'd you have to go? And that was it. And I think it was called Lucy. Yeah, so that's the first one. You're going to release that one soon, right? Of course, for <laughs> Lucy. Then, like, skipping past the Young Frieza Man era and into when I started first releasing my singer-songwriter songs. Before Finn, this was, like, probably middle school. There was one called Sleeping On It that I released on SoundCloud. And I think that was my first full song that I was happy with and, like, I could sing and perform for people. So it's sorry, I'm going to go and there are like three different eras. But then I guess my first real song with like a, a producer would be Guardian. What was the story behind sleeping on it? I'll have to check it out on SoundCloud if it's still up. Oh, it was. I think I've made it private. I can make it public just for you, but. Uh, you don't have to. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, <laughs> it's not worth a listen, but it's okay. Oh, it was about, I couldn't write a song and I was so frustrated. So I was about sleeping on it and giving it some more time. That's pretty meta for a 14 year old. Sleeping on it, just waiting for inspiration, (laughs) thinking about all those standing ovations. I think that was the hook. That's one that I think most of my friends, especially from school or camp, they probably would pull that one out because that's what they remember the most. And that's probably the first one I released on my own that uh, I actually got people to listen to. Something I didn't ask earlier, it sounded like Finn is a few years older than you. He's a year older than me. You made it sound like a lot of your working together has been at his house in his studio. It's back and forth. It's pretty even, actually. I've got a setup at my place, and then he's got a setup at his mom's house, and then we've got a setup. There's this local studio slash guy I've been taking lessons with for the longest time, Tuck Stocking. Yeah, we use him as a resource, too. I don't know if he's stayed in the Vermont area. Obviously, you'll be going to New Orleans 
in a few weeks. How much experience you guys have had working more remotely and over the internet as opposed to in person, or if that's just going to be tackled as it comes? Uh, yeah, so this whole past year he was at school. He was at Middlebury in Vermont, so not even that far, but still, I, I went out like maybe once or twice to work with him, and so it's still like really difficult when you're not in the same room, but yeah, we've done that before, and it's definitely hard to keep it going and keep the motivation going, and obviously, you're not necessarily there to bounce ideas off each other, but we've made it clear to each other that we want to keep working with each other as much as we can. From the work we've done so far, we've already gotten new opportunities, and he's already working with a few friends at MID that are really talented. We've worked all together this summer a little bit, so just like balancing, making time for each other, but we definitely know we want to make that like a priority in our music right now. I think Finn will be like the main person I'm working with or setting my stuff to, but still realizing that I'm in a whole new environment. I got to explore, you know, what else is out there and realizing that working remotely isn't always going to yield your best work, but it definitely can. If you do it the right way and you're consistent with it and you're able to keep in contact regularly, then it can definitely be pulled off and make the same quality music. Yeah. I mean, you guys clearly have something good going. In all aspects of life, obviously music's no different. You can't fake chemistry. So if you guys have something, the creative process can be difficult. So if you are working with someone who makes it feel easy, then you should definitely keep that because that's not easy to find. And I feel like whether you listen to rap or pop or alternative, it does seem like a lot of artists, you know, they'll work with a ton of producers, but they all have their go-tos. And a lot of the go-tos are people that they came up on and came up with that they were working with before they made it. So yeah. I think that that holds true in the music industry. Yeah, that's spot on. I appreciate that, Keith. Definitely, we don't want to lose what we've got going now. And it seems like, at least to us, like every song is better than the last or at least just more developed than the last. And we learn something new with, with every single song. So yeah, it'd be hard to like just, you know, cut it off after a couple of years of working with each other. So I'm going to make that work as long as it can. I know we talked a little bit about not really any releases coming up yet since there's like 20 songs on deck, but none of them are completely finished yet. But I just always give the artist an opportunity, Hans, to tell us what's coming next. Or I know you're going to be in New Orleans. So if I have any listeners in New Orleans, I hope they uh, get to see you at a coffee shop or at a bar sometime this year. I didn't know if you had anything that the listeners should be keeping an eye out for or an ear out for, I guess. Just at the end of the summer, be looking for a couple new tracks. But again, I say, like I said before, we were looking to put out an album this summer and it never came to fruition without it being rushed. We have like 10 songs we could bang out and finish, but it doesn't always come that quick. So yeah, please just look out for something at the end of the summer. Maybe a couple tunes back to back, but also be patient. <laughs> Straddling the fence there, I like it. <laughs> Yeah, I can't try not to put too, too much pressure on myself. But if I say it now, then it's a little bit of pressure. You speak it into existence. That's how it happens. Exactly. Music, I think, is always better when process isn't rushed and you have the time and you get to take the care that is necessary to put the final details on the songs and just make sure everything sounds right. Because the listeners can tell. No, that's completely right. I also think there's like a misconception that 
there's a big difference between rushing and quick inspiration. And like, for example, 93 was written and recorded pretty much all in one night. And it just it came out really quick and naturally. Uh, and some songs are like that. And they just come a lot quicker than you expect them to. And you're able to execute on them. And others just take forever. It's like pulling teeth. Yeah. Well, I love 93. So I'm happy to hear that it was such an easy song to write. That's like, I have this playlist of my own that's, I don't even know if I would say that it's all songs like that, but I just like try and harness that genre or that vibe. Wow. You have a playlist dedicated to that vibe. That, wow. Thank you. Yeah. Damn. Well, 93 wasn't the song that started the playlist, but it's yeah, on the playlist like, now. The fact that like I was able to get in that vibe is, thank you. Appreciate that. I always thought of it as like more just pop oriented. I don't know. I can never like nail down a genre on all of my songs though, because they're just a fusion of folk influences and singer songwriter and pop. So I always end up just slapping alternative on there and make yeah, it. Yeah, really I just feel like alternative fits everything now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think '93 is that poppy. I feel like Guardian is more poppy. That's true. The chorus in Guardian is super full with harmonies, and yeah, I think that's. I don't know, though. You were mentioning later at the end of the song, like, it definitely has a more folky feel. But that's the thing. I mean, I don't want to adhere to one genre or another. I think anti-genre music is, I don't know. I think that's going to be my new hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) Anti-genre. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but finding your own space. For example, like, I love listening to, not that this is a new space now or anything, but it might have been four or five years ago, rappers that are able to, you know, they've got good flow and then they can also bang out a melody without it having to be crazily auto-tuned. That's caught on and that's really, I guess it's its own genre now, but no one has a name for it. So finding that like pocket, finding that sound, that's the next thing. You're like speaking my language. That's like all <laughs> the music that I, I mean, I basically either like this like alternative pop and sometimes electronic pop too with like EDM influences. And then the other side is any, I mean, it seems like Drake is basically like the guy who does that the most, but anything with singing and rapping. I wasn't thinking of Drake immediately. I think he's popularized it, but I was thinking more like Kevin Abstract, you were saying. Kevin Abstract, yeah. Frank Ocean, YBN Corday. I just heard him for the first time the other day. Oh, he's great. Yeah. And he took me by surprise. And I don't know, I feel like Drake's got... Drake's feel is definitely, definitely different than that. I don't know. Frank Ocean has got like a more subtle approach to it. I just think of him more as a singer, much more than, than Drake. Oh, yeah, for sure. Frank Ocean. I barely even think of Frank Ocean as a rapper. No, he's somewhere, somewhere on the spectrum there, much closer to being a, a singer. Yeah. Appreciate the time today. Before I let you uh, say any last words, I did want to make sure that I got to ask you the signature question, which I'll feature at the end of the episode this week. The idea is that someone, Hans, maybe your grandmother, got you a vinyl record player and in addition to that gift also gave you $250, $300, whatever the dollar amount is for you to buy your first five vinyl records for the record player. So with that gift and with the cash, what would be the first five records that you would go out and buy, Hans? So, all right. I had to write these down because I knew I was going to forget. So I wrote, I have six, seven here. 
some of these are going to be like more recently what I've been jamming to and others are just going to be like classics that have definitely been more like influential in my style as a whole but swimming the from Mac Miller yep. yeah definitely first one I'd go out and buy I think today or yesterday was the one year since that came out really yeah yeah, that sounds about right. Because last summer, that was or like end of last summer going into the fall. That was all I was listening to. So smooth all the way through. Every song is pretty clean. Next, this I've been listening to forever. Brothers, the Black Keys. There are a few big ones on there. Oh, yeah. I am going to see them in October. I've heard they're amazing live. Damn. Next would be Tracy Chapman, Greatest Hits. I've had a lot of people on Mom Spaghetti say Greatest Hits as their vinyl. I see nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's all my mom would play for me. That's my first exposure to Tracy Chapman, so hard to skip past that. Wasteland Baby, Hoser. And then All American Badass. Ooh, Badass. that's so good. I love that album. It gets me moving. I, I remember that I had like a, that brings back like a lot of summer feels from like a few summers ago. And yeah, like Temptations, the big ones on those. Steps. Devastated. Yeah. Oh, that was such a good album. Yeah. Out of curiosity, what were the honorable mentions? I forget where we were. Ben Howard. And then the last one was El Camino. Black Keys again. Oh, nice. So... I am glad you brought up Ben Howard because I did a special episode for July 4th because I was on vacation, so I recorded it ahead of time. And it was all of my favorite songs that aren't on Spotify. That had some of the best response, so I decided that I would make a part two because I'll be traveling in September. So I'm going to put that up. And one of the songs that I have on the list that I'm going to put on the episode is a Ben Howard cover of Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe. Have you heard that? No, never. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm looking it up currently. I love when a cover is just so different from the original. Yeah. I can already like envision it. <laughs> I'm already hearing it in my head a little bit. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy that. Before I give you any last words, I'll just say if you could help me close out your episode with the tagline for Mom's Spaghetti. And you can even give it a few goes. I've had some people take a few stabs at it. A few stabs. All right. Thanks for listening to Mom's Spaghetti. I'm like, hey, Hans Williams. Hans Williams. Uh, thanks for listening to Mom's Spaghetti. Oh, that was it. That's perfect. No, 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 I'm kidding. Okay. Where everybody's. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm Hans Williams. Thanks for tuning in to Mom's Spaghetti, where everyone eats. Nice. You want to do one more, or are you good with that? Sounds like you want another one, Keith. <laughs> I don't care. It's just, it's up to you. We'll get, I'm always big into as many takes as you can get, so I got you. I'm not going to keep you all night. <laughs> it's all good. Hey, I'm Hans Williams. Thanks for listening to Mom's Spaghetti Podcast, where everyone eats. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me on, Keith. It's been a pleasure. I've never been interviewed before. Yeah, definitely. Anything else for the listeners or do you want me to cut it? Let's see. We gave him something to tune in for, even though it's like nothing to tune in for quite yet. <laughs> no, you got to always leave him wanting more. Yeah, of course. I think that's it. 
I really appreciate you taking the time, Hans. This was great. I enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for tuning in, fans of Mom Spaghetti and Hans Williams alike. New episodes of Mom Spaghetti drop every Thursday, so I'll be back then. As for Hans, we'll keep our eyes and ears open for new music with or without his buddy and producer, Finn Chukas. Until then, rest assured I'll be listening to Hans' anti-genre music through the rest of this year, especially this one, 93. I'm Keith Cohen, your host of the Mom Spaghetti Podcast. One more huge shout out and thank you to Hans Williams and of course to you, the listeners. 